Thank you for joining us for Dwelling Place Lithia Podcast. We hope this message will help you find your identity in Christ and create growth in your life. We hope you enjoy this message. So um, if you could turn with me into, uh, we're going to start going through Luke Luke chapter 18. (laughs) You know what's amazing is whenever you have, um, as a pastor, you want to have everything marked and stuff, and then you... You go in there and you pull your bookmarks and it's not where you placed them. And then you see a note from your kid that has a heart on it and it just says mom. It's not even a heart and says dad. It just says mom. (laughs) I think they're trying to frame you. Luke chapter 18. Uh, We're going to start at verse 18. So today we're going to be um, we're going to be analyzing the rich young ruler and Zacchaeus, and the main reason we want to analyze the two of those is that both of them, after at meeting Jesus, as they were meeting Jesus, they they were both rich, and there was two different responses and two different two two different responses from Jesus and two different responses from them. So we want to go over those things because it's important. A lot of people. Uh, a lot of people read this and they 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 read it incorrectly. I would say, as far as my opinion is, um, I would think a lot of people's opinion. Uh, they would read the story of the rich young ruler and say, "Well, you've got to live poor. You can't you can't go to heaven. You can't be in this kingdom if if you have anything at all, any kind of wealth at all." And so we'll go over that. So Luke. Chapter 18, verse 18, says, And the ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, All these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to them, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, says how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And then it goes on to Peter talking about, hey, I love it. Some of the disciples, you could tell why Jesus would get frustrated with them. And, and, and the, whole, the whole thing about this is the, way, the approach that the rich young ruler had coming to Jesus. Um, you can kind of see it played out. You can read this in other Gospels, but you can kind of see it played out. You've got this guy that's coming, and he's like, he's done all these things. He's done all these wonderful things. He's done, he's gotten validation at every step in life. Just in the name, rich, young, ruler, which would you rather be, rich or poor? Young or old? To be a ruler or to be somebody who's a slave? Okay, so just in his name, he's got everything going for him, right? 
And then he comes into Jesus, and he's like, hey, this is a guy who's pretty popular, and I see he can do some miraculous things. I want some of this. I want to be validated by this guy, too. So he goes over to Jesus to get the Jesus validation. He says, what do I need to do? Well, first of all, he, if you really watch, Jesus toys with him a little bit. Because he comes up and he says, hey, good teacher. And Jesus says, why are you calling me good? There's nobody good but God. And then he just kind of brushes over that. He says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? So there was his, that was his motive right there. What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? He'd been hurt. He had heard about this eternal life thing. And he was seeking Jesus because he wanted it. It was something he wanted to acquire. He was a rich young ruler. This possession he wanted to acquire as well. I'm sure he would have loved it if Jesus would have said, hey, all you have to do is write me a check for this much money. Put this much in the offering plate. For less than a dollar a day. You know, it's funny, that used to be for less than a cup of coffee a day, then everybody started drinking at Starbucks. And they start adding that up. That's a house payment. But he was, his motivation for coming to Jesus was he wanted something, right? He just kind of burst into the scene, and he's like, I want this. What do I need to do to get it? Like, even Jesus kind of toying with him with some small talk, saying, well, there's none good but God, and, you know, why do you call me good? Jesus is, he, he knows what's going on in the guy's life. He, he's Jesus. Like, he's all God and all man. Like, this is God incarnate in flesh, which incarnate means in flesh. I don't know why I said that twice, but this is Jesus Christ, so he knows what's going on in the guy's heart, and that's why whenever he goes in and he says, well, you do these things, he already knew. He already knew what this guy's response was going to be. He knew that he had followed these, these, uh, these commandments. i got to rush through this so, I can, so we can get the questions. But he, so he already knew that so that he could validate himself, and then Jesus said, cool, all you have to do now Sell everything you have. Because the one thing that he didn't do, see, he had given God his obedience, but he didn't give him his heart. He didn't give him his life. His obedience to his rules was what he had given God, and the whole experience with God was based off of what he could get out of it. Because the rich, young ruler liked people seeing him being rich, young, and being a ruler. And I'm sure he didn't want anybody thinking down about him as far as him being a liar, a cheat, didn't listen to his parents. He wanted to have that position in society. He wanted society to see him a certain way. Now we go into Luke 19. Starting in verse 1, it says, He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in nature. So he ran ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. How many can read that without thinking that song? Can you get? 
Exactly. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must go to your house today. We used to say growing up, I'm going to your house for tea. Anybody sing it that way? It must be a country thing. So he hurried down, so he hurried and came down and received him. It's either country or very English. And when they saw it, I'm sorry. So he hurried down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be a guest in the house of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to him, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I could restore it. I, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is all since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man come came to seek and save the lost. So Zacchaeus is also rich. It doesn't say that he's young. It doesn't say that he's a ruler. It says he's rich and he's a thief. And he's short. So they give him the rich part. Everything else, they're not giving him. So I want you to put yourself into this because sometimes it's easier to understand the story and understand the motive if we put ourselves into the story. Something about, see, he was not only the tax collector, but he was the chief tax collector. So even though people despised him, he had respect because he could take away their stuff. Now, one thing that you want to do or that you don't want to do whenever you have a, a, a negative thing about you is you don't want to amplify those negative things. So Zacchaeus, being short, how would he amplify the fact that he is short? Climbing up in a tree to see over everybody else would probably do that, wouldn't it? He was giving them ammo, like these people who already hated him. He was, he was fuel to the fire. I, I guarantee you people were making fun of him. It may have been in Hebrew and a lot of in the middle of their jokes, but they were making fun of him. Look at little Zacchaeus. Hey, Zacchae. But when Zacchaeus had to see Jesus, what did he want from Jesus? What was Zacchaeus wanting from Jesus? That's it. He just wanted to see him. Zacchaeus had no other motive than to see him, and he was willing to look foolish in the process so that he could do that. So when Jesus saw him and saw his heart, he didn't tell Zacchaeus to go sell everything that you have. He didn't tell him, say, Zacchaeus, come down. I've got a few things we need to go over so that you can follow me, and then we can hang out. All he said was, he saw his heart, and he said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. And then Zacchaeus, on his own, he was convicted of the stuff inside of him. The way, it wasn't his wealth, it was the way he got his wealth. He was convicted of those things, and he said, God, he said, you know what, first of all, I'm not keeping anything totally for myself. I'm going to give half of everything I have to the poor, and if I've wronged anybody, I'm going to make it right. You know, a lot of times at the end of somebody's life, when people are going through hospice and, and other things, they will, they'll start calling people 
and, and they'll ask them, say, hey, are we okay? Did I do anything to upset you? And it's not a religious thing. It's more of a, I want to make sure I'm right with you. I don't want to leave this world knowing that there was something that I did to, to mess up this relationship. And that's the same thing. When Christ comes into your life, you have a, you have a, a stirring inside of you that you don't have to be told. You don't have to be told that these things need to be made right in, in, in you. It just has to be done because you don't want anything between you and God. There is something so pure and so worthy that is that that has come into your life or that your life has been given to, and you don't want to bring junk in it. Whenever you go, we were singing that song, I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. There's there's symbolism there, and the symbolism is that I'm going to climb this mountain. I'm going to climb the mountain of God, and I'm going to have my hands open. I'm not bringing junk into the temple. I'm not bringing junk into this relationship. You know, whenever we, we went and we did the, the worship different this morning, um, the reason for doing that, and I talked about it a little bit, I don't, like, if you really, really, really think about worship, and what it is, what we're supposed to be doing here, and what you see at most churches on Sunday, it's two different things. Like, it should not matter how good or bad the musicians are. If there's no music at all, we should be on our face before God, crying out, just saying, God, this is, I give you everything. You gave me everything. What right do I have to sit here and just put my hands in my pocket and, and, and not raise my voice? What right do I have to say that I'm tired? I knew you were tired on the cross. What if he was too tired to die for your sins? Jesus gave it all. We could stay in here and worship all day without one note of music. And that'd be okay. And even good. Because what happens is you get wrapped up into, even in Christianity, you get wrapped up into what it makes you feel like or look like. You become, you come into a place trying to acquire something. You come into a worship service trying to acquire a feeling. And you try to acquire this feeling by, by shouting with everyone else. And you'll see people dancing and they're, they're getting excited. And it's okay if God gets you excited. But if your point of worship is about how you can feel. You have the wrong motive, and it's not honoring to God. It's just not. And I'm not trying to put anybody down this morning. I've been in those places. I grew up in those places, and I love worship, and I love, like, just laying it all down. But I have to know that my motives are pure whenever I come to God. I have to. And if they're not, I want you to call me out. The rich young ruler, he had done all these good things in his life. All these commandments he had kept, every one of these commandments, Jesus gave it to him. He's like, yep, I've done that from my youth. And Jesus said, you haven't given me your heart. You haven't given me your identity. You haven't laid your life down for me. And that's what the disciples were saying right after that. They said, Jesus, we left everything for you. And he said, you haven't left anything that you're not going to be blessed tenfold or I forget how many, sevenfold, whatever he said. But it, it, it's saying that you haven't, anything you gave here, I'm going to be blessing you way down the road. But think about this, too. The disciples did not, they didn't make that exchange with God. There wasn't an exchange. Like, they, whenever they were fishing, 
And he said, come and follow me. And they, they didn't stop and say, well, hold on. I've got this boat and this house and all this. this. This boat and this house, let's say it's worth like 50 grand. All right, so whenever I get into heaven, um, my house, my mansion, um, is it going to have an elevator? Because, like, I'm leaving, like, 50 grand worth of stuff. I'm just leaving it here. How selfish would that have been? But how often do we see, like, and I'm, I'm not talking about you. I'm sure you're much better than this, but. I'm talking about like everybody else. How much does the church look at God as a way to get into heaven? And we do our good works based off of how much lumber we can put in the kingdom of heaven to build my house. It becomes a selfish exchange rather than, God, I'm just going to give you my life. You gave me yours. I'm giving you yours. That's the exchange. You gave me your life. I'm giving you mine. I don't need anything else. When we get to that point, there's a purity in our relationship that surpasses anything else that we can get involved in. And we don't get involved in the junk. We don't, there's, there's, you don't start measuring your relationship based off the next person on Facebook. You don't start measuring your worth off of how many likes you get or how many people you have around you, how many people call you. But your life is about giving. And, and uh, I was actually talking to Anthony about this the other day. Like, there's, there's people that I have in my life that the only reason, like, like I'll, I'll have to make several phone calls for them to pick up the phone. And they will never on their own call me. If it wasn't for me calling them, we would have no relationship at all. But I'll make several phone calls for them to pick up the phone. If this was about me and how that made me feel, I would feel like, what's the point? If they don't care, I don't care. Right? Like, if they don't care, I don't care. They wouldn't call me, I'm not going to call them. But Christ gave us a different path, and our path is about somebody else. So... In that, we're going to um, go into the, the lesson. Um, if you could pass these out, I'm going to keep one copy up here for me. Jonas, could you pass these to all the tables? Yeah, if uh, you're sitting at a table with people that you're normally sitting at a table with, please move around. And um, As we're doing this, uh, at the very top of the page, I wanted you to, uh, I have a surprise scripture. Uh, that I put in there. And it's Luke chapter 18. And this is right before, this is right before he goes in and he starts talking about the rich young ruler and uh, right before he starts talking about Zacchaeus. Luke chapter 18, verse 9, it says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus. Listen to the Pharisee's prayer. This is, he said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like the tax collector. 
I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his head to heaven. He beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. God is looking at our hearts every time we approach him. And if if you approach God with selfish ambition, it, it sounds weird whenever you read that about the Pharisee. It doesn't, not weird, but it sounds like, ha ha, you listen to the way that he's praying. But how many, like, if, you, if we're really honest with ourselves, we can see this in ourselves. And I, I saw this the other day. There were some things that I had given up, um, and, I, and I'd given up for God. And my motive whenever I started this uh, was that I would give these up because I wanted a closer relationship with God. But I found myself praying this prayer, and it, it tore me whenever God showed me this. The prayer that I was going to say, God, I gave this up for you. I, let show me something so that I can know that this was you, that I'm not doing this out of my flesh. And it struck me. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Why did I just do that? Like, I'm the Pharisee here. I'm the guy that's beating my chest, not beating my chest and, 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 and being humble, but I'm, I'm the guy that's telling God I just did all this. Like, now you show me something. Like, like we're making a trade here. And I came, like, and, uh, and I had to stop and repent. And then I was the guy beating my chest. Saying, God, I didn't come into this so that I could get a sign from you. But all I came into this for was to know you more and exchange my life. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this message. If so, please share it. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at dwellingplacelithia.org forward slash donate. We'll see you next week, and may God bless you and your family.